Well, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and of course, I'm Ed Stetzer here this and every Saturday at this time. I sometimes want to say Saturday morning. It's 9 o'clock in California. I'm broadcasting here from a studio at Mariner's Church, um, where I serve as a teaching pastor. But it also goes all the way over to the afternoon, where I was yesterday. I was over in Grand Rapids yesterday. We're on the radio there in Grand Rapids. And so I am glad to be here wherever you are. And a lot of you listen, of course, by a podcast. And let me remind you, because if you find the content valuable, which I'm assuming you do, I'm hoping you do, um, if you find the content valuable, you can actually download this as a podcast. If you go to edstetzerlive.com, that's edstetzerlive.com. You click through, you know, Moody Radio apps there. You can download actually all of our Moody Radio programs as podcasts as well. So, you know, maybe you're not always available Saturday at this time. So it gives you the opportunity to jump in and listen any point, anytime to what you'd like to uh, like to follow along. Anyway, so I'm Ed Stetzer. I'm the dean of the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. And for our conversation, as always, I am your radio host at Ed Stetzer Live. And so I'm, I bring guests in. We have conversations. We take your phone calls and more. And that's what we're going to do today. Actually, my guest today is Eddie Buhn. Eddie spent 25 years pastoring and teaching in the U.S., Canada, Australia, and South Korea. He's author of the award-winning book, Justice Awakening, uh, Praying for Your Pastor, Praying for Your Missionary. Uh, he's the executive producer, and this is kind of where a lot of our conversation is going to go, of Save My Soul, like Soul Korea. It's spelled, obviously, double meaning, S-E-O-U-L, Save My Soul, an award-winning documentary on trafficking in South Korea. And currently, we work together. He's the uh, director of the Doctor of Ministry program and associate professor of Christian ministry at the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University. And, of course, you know, we all saw the... Uh, conversation resurface around the movie Sound of Freedom. And I just Googled, I just put in, typed in Sound of Freedom, and it's still playing here at theaters in, where I am in Southern California, maybe uh, as well in yours. Um, heart, heartbreakingly, uh, accusations came out about the person who uh, who was the uh, person, you know, Jim Caviezel played this character, Tim Ballard. Uh, and we probably, you know, we, we, we were originally going to, originally asked Eddie on, I said, let's talk about this, let's talk about the conversation that sort of flowed from this. And uh, and so so again, uh, I want to just kind of start there, Eddie. We, we first of all, thank you so so much for coming on. And and you know, this movie kind of resurfaced a lot of conversation. Some people pointed out that it's maybe not a realistic portrayal. Uh, some people uh, pointed out that the problem takes more than watching a film. But I mean, kind of let me just start with it. What is your reaction to people talking more about this uh, because of the film? Oh, I'm so glad that um, it allowed conversations to begin again because uh, unfortunately this is a huge issue you know uh, over 50 million people enslaved around the world and it's not going away anytime soon so anything that we can do to get this evil on the radar for people uh, to engage especially believers whether it's in the place of prayer or even more i think that's a that's a win uh, for the church being the church in engaging against some of these dark things that are happening to people around the world yeah, and, and it's it's not a small thing. I mean, you, as you said, uh, you know, people have different counts, but we're talking tens of millions of people. And and I'm kind of interested a little bit, if you would mind, sort of telling your story of how you got 
involved in, in, well, first of all, you have this documentary, which is fascinating, and more. So just tell a little bit your story and how it leads to you helping to advocate in the new book. The new book's called A Light in Darkness, The Church's Role in Ending Human Trafficking. By the way, we're going to give away five copies of the book during the course of our show today. For those of you who call in, not just call in to ask for a book, but with brilliant, insightful questions and comments like you always have the listeners here at Ed Stetzer Live. So, but there's a journey that's there before you wrote A Light in Darkness. So tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, you know, uh, I had been pastoring in South Korea at that time, and then suddenly God kind of opened my eyes to see a lot of uh, areas of vulnerability um, in terms of stateless children, you know, the orphan crisis that's going on there, a uh, growing population of single moms, uh, and one in particular that really tugged at my heart was uh, the, this issue of human trafficking. Currently in South Korea, there's still about 1.2 million women and children uh, boys and girls who are in some sort of sexual servitude there. And so that doesn't even include the labor trafficking. Um, and so when I found out, I was really enraged and I did some more research. And unfortunately, because of the cultural stigma, you know, it's a shame honor culture and these issues are very shameful. Um, it would really get swept under the rug. No one would talk about it. No one would address it. And no one would do anything about it. And um, I, the spirit really convicted my heart that as a pastor and as a church, uh, he was leading us to begin engaging into some of these areas of vulnerability. And so as we moved into this arena, man, I discovered how widespread it was, but also how absent uh, the Korean church, the Korean governments, uh, a lot of NGOs, they just were not engaged in this. And so we really felt the conviction to be, yeah, the hands and feet of Christ to begin ministering to them, um, to begin serving them, and really trying to bring about a shift in what is happening in that country. And so during that journey, God also convicted my heart to start creating some resources for the church, um, yeah, to write on this topic, uh, to create a documentary to expose the reality of what's really happening in Korea. Uh, as well as to create a seminary course. Uh, I had been teaching at a seminary out there as well as pastoring. And so all these tools I had never done before, but out of obedience, I walked into this. And thankfully, uh, God has used it to really begin opening eyes and to bring some changes for that country as well. Eddie Bion's our guest, and we're talking about his uh, new book, A Light in Darkness, The Church's Role in Ending Human Trafficking. I'm going to invite your calls early in the program because I'm guessing that some of you might have some questions in and around how you might get engaged and how you might get involved. So, so there's an opportunity for you to call uh, as well. The, uh, the, the, the challenge for us is, is that you know we kind of think about um, how do we step in, get involved and engaged. And of course, one of the first things you did, Eddie, is, or not the first thing, but one of the things that I first became aware of you was when you did this documentary. So tell us a little bit about the documentary and how that came about. Yeah, you know, uh, it was interesting. As I was going around speaking uh, to various churches and groups throughout the country on this topic, um, I realized that um, there were three common lies that most Koreans believed about it about trafficking in Korea, and that was, um, especially in the realm of sex trafficking, they believe that these women um, and girls chose to do this, uh, they wanted to do it, and they're making a lot of money doing it. And so because of that, they didn't view them as victims at all. If anything, it caused them to really look even further down upon them. Uh, and so 
as I, you know, we've been working with uh, people that we helped rescue, helped um, survivors get into proper treatment of healing. And as I was talking with them, um, I realized, oh my goodness, these people across the country are believing these lies, which was unfortunately perpetuated by media, as well as these pimps and traffickers feeding these things into the media. And so I wanted, we, I interviewed about a hundred different women for this film project. And we mainly follow the story of two uh, young ladies who were willing and brave enough to have their faces shown on this. And um, yeah, through each phase of the film, we dismantle these lies that they did not choose to do it. They're forced to it. They do not want to do it. They want to get out of it. And they're definitely not making any money in this. If anything, they've worked out a system the traffickers have where uh, every day, really, they're accumulating their debt uh, into this whole system. And so I wanted to carefully peel back the layers of lies that the country was believing about this. And so um, as a result, I'm very thankful that it has uh, achieved that purpose as people watch the film and they realize, oh, my goodness, this is a great evil that we thought was something far different. Hmm. Yeah, fascinating. I, and I think a lot of people, you know, education is such a key part here. And there are some uh, misleading ideas that, you know, people want to get sort of kind of off into a tangent uh, when really they're not addressing some of the very real realities of human trafficking around the world. Now, you mentioned that sexual servitude is, is and I, I should say to folks, you know, because I know sometimes someone's driving down the car in the minivan right now, uh, that's about as PG-ish as we're going to get in our conversation today. So you don't, you don't need to be too concerned about it. But there's different kinds of human trafficking. You mentioned labor. We, we of course, we're, we're, we're particularly familiar with uh, sexual servitude and more. Um, so uh, when we look at these, I mean, actually, just if you don't mind, unpack different kind of aspects of human trafficking and, and, and modern-day slavery. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there is a variety um, of ways that people are, you know, coerced into um, the world of trafficking. Um, in some parts of the world, uh, throughout Asia, there actually are uh, forced marriages. Um, and so that becomes um, widespread, especially in rural parts of Asia, uh, where it is getting harder for people to find brides. And so, um, yeah, traffickers work in larger cities to make that happen for them. Um, there's also children in the military, and that's pretty widespread in, in different parts of Africa. And unfortunately, you know, with Halloween coming up too, a lot of the major chocolate brand companies they use child slave labor to actually pick the cocoa beans, which make a lot of, again, a lot of these mainstream chocolates that we see in our stores. Uh, that's another common one. Uh, there's other types of forced labor, um, whether it's a lot of times migrant workers who are newer to countries or who don't understand the culture or even the language of that country. Uh, they're forced into these situations where they have to work in really uh, difficult circumstances, um, conditions, as well as minimal to no pay as a result of that. Uh, child labor okay, so happens 
Oh, yeah, in different parts. I'm as sorry, well. sorry, sorry about that. So, so different different aspects of this. I want to continue our conversation about this in just a second, but I also want to invite our callers in as well and give us the opportunity to kind of walk through this together. Our phone number is eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Again, we're talking to about the book A Light in Darkness: The Church's Role in Ending Human Trafficking. Eddie Bion is my guest. And our number for your calls with your questions or comments is 877-548-3675. Again, that's 877-548-3675. Headsets are live. I see the calls are starting to come in. That's great news. Again, our number is 877-548-3675. I was hoping that people would have questions and want to engage on this topic. Our guest is Eddie Bune, and Eddie has written a book, uh, another book. He's, he's authored several books. You can go to edstetzerlive.com, click the link, goes to Eddie. Um, but his, his written most recently, A Light in Darkness, The Church's Role in Ending Human Trafficking. Uh, ending Human Trafficking. And, and so, Eddie, uh, I, I apologize. Uh, at the end, there, I thought you were done, so I kind of stepped over you a little bit. But thanks for your patience. So, tell me a little bit about, talk to me a little bit about why you're writing a new book. You've written on this in the past. What more do you want to say about it? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to stress in light of uh, my previous publications coming out is how the gospel really needs to be central and the foundation of what we're doing. You know. Uh, we all know that justice is a biblical uh, topic and theme in Scripture, both Old and New Testament. Um, but we really, as a redeemed people of God, we have to do this as an expression of the gospel. You know, justice not justice obviously is not primary for Christians, but it is necessary. Um, meaning, because we want to honor Christ and obviously love our neighbors as ourselves that doesn't become an option for us. And preaching the gospel, I believe, is primary, but it's also not solitary. We, uh, I've time and time again over these, um, over a decade, you know, over 15 years now, I've seen the huge difference when we approach these survivors with or without the gospel. There's a night and day difference in terms of the help and true freedom that they experience. And I've come to see also in outreaches to pimps and traffickers too. It's like, man, uh, without the gospel, this is really in vain. And so Mm. I've become more and more convinced that we need to call the church to answer God's call to seek justice in our worlds uh, in this hour so that we will be both a verbal and a visible witness to that gospel. I, I really believe that justice is, we can really just define it as loving our neighbors as ourselves that if we or someone we love were in that situation, that yes, we would desperately want the church to start moving in and engaging and bringing the love of Christ into these people's lives. Um, You know, justice, you mentioned justice. It's sort of, you know, a conversation that is increasingly being had in Christian circles. How do we uh, work towards justice. Sometimes people use the word social justice. Uh, sometimes people use the words uh, biblical justice and more. Um, but certainly this has become a more focused uh, emphasis in churches. Is that a good thing, bad thing? What do you think about these things? Uh, I think it's a good thing. But one thing that we do have to be careful about is because I think we clearly see a justice movement arising in our generation. 
Uh, even, you know, several years ago, I think it was 2018, Merriman Webster's Dictionary's word of the year was justice. And we saw this throughout the pandemic as well, that there are outcries of justice. But I think we have to, as a church, we have to be very, uh, con- uh, we have to be very discerning and to realize that there is a secular movement of justice arising, but we need to make sure that we are um, operating in a spirit of Christ and a spirit of righteousness, that we don't do this um, because this is just a good thing. We do this out of a response to the gospel within our own lives. Uh, we do this because people are made in the image of God. Um, we are seeking um, yeah, shalom, the peace of God into our world but as they are all made in the image of God, that needs to be uh, the real motive for why we want to move into this. You know, uh, one of the outreaches I'll just share briefly of a story that God, re- we were, we had been doing regular outreaches to uh, some of these areas that were known for these types of services. Um, and one day God uh, convicted me. He asked me, next time you do this, I want you to honor uh, the pimps too. I want you to honor these uh, men who are involved in this. And I was really shocked. I was like, why in the world should we do that? Uh, and so one thing led to another where uh, they actually set up as we were asking for permission, hey, we'd love to do this outreach. Can we have your permission? They would say, hey, talk to my boss, talk to my boss. And eventually what ended up happening is I had a meeting with the head pimp over all of South Korea. And that was an intimidating uh, meeting. Um, but as we uh, interact with him, um, he wanted to see what we were doing. I showed them the gifts we were going to give. He followed us in one of the outreaches. He was so happy to see the response from these girls. He said, um, next time you do it, not only do you have my blessing, let me know and I'll make sure that all my guys protect you. And so that turned into favor from them into our lives to do future outreaches. And that's when I understood why God asked me to do that is because we need to see each person involved in this arena through the lens of God made in the image of God in needing the grace of God. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree that everyone's made in the image of God and worthy of dignity and respect. That's that I, I can tell you, I have questions. So, so, um, so why would, why would somebody engaged in human trafficking find any uh, response to say, well, you can engage these people. You're trying, to, you're trying to minister to them. You often bring them out of those situations. Why would that be the case? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't. No worries. So I was asking why would you, you said you, you said you engaged this, this person, this, this pimp, and eventually the pimp of, mm-hmm. over South Korea, and he had a favorable response to your work. Why would he have a favorable response to your work considering he wants to keep people in these traffic situations? Yeah, I, I think it's because he was able to see uh, glimpses of grace in what we were doing. You know, we, um, as we gave these gifts to these women, that was an expression of grace too. You know, some of the, a lot of them, they started in this arena when they were like 12, 13 years old, and they themselves, majority of them come from abusive family backgrounds. And so uh, their whole lives, they've rarely, if ever, experienced this grace. And as we showed it to them, their, their countenance, their faces changed. Um, they were able to experience at least through that giving uh, a moment of a taste of God's grace. And then for this guy too, he was able to see it. He was able to see how this extension of grace 
was transformative in the lives and bringing a moment of extreme happiness for them. And I think through that, he realized, um, because he actually admitted to, he's like, he sees them as his girls or his, almost like his property. But he saw what we were doing was actually being a blessing to them. And I think in a very peculiar way, uh, he received that grace for their lives. Um, mm. And so as a result, we realized it was important to begin also uh, praying for and also extending um, that same kindness to these men as well. And that started to uh, shift in our relationship uh, together uh, for the years to come. Okay, good. I, I would have, I got so many questions, but we want to also get to our callers as well. So we're going to go first to Darlene in Wheaton. I was just in Wheaton, Darlene, like I was in Wheaton. I spoke in Wheaton on Wednesday. So Darlene, you're live on the air with your question, your comment. Go ahead and jump right in. Hi, I work in a school and I'm wondering, how would you recognize a, a student or child that's being trafficked? What kinds of traits or characteristics would you look for? And I just thought of another part to that. Would it be and it, would it endanger them if you thought someone was being trafficked to report that? Hmm. Good, good question, Charlene. I want you to hold on the line too because we're going to give you a copy uh, of the book. The book is "A Light in Darkness: The Church's Role in Ending Human Trafficking." Eddie, I was I was actually walking through an airport the other day and I saw, you know, some how to you know a sign on you know how to look for human persons people might be trafficked and more. So talk to us about that. She's a teacher. How might she spot somebody who's in a situation like that? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question and a very important one. And I think as um, educators, too, um, it's going to overlap a lot with um, just signs of abuse in general. Um, there will usually be both physical and emotional signs that inside you realize something's off. Uh, some of them may appear physically, you know, not fully, um, you know, cared for. Um, some may appear malnourished. Um, there may be signs of physical injury or abuse. Um, but so that's more on the physical side, but even on a more emotional side in terms of difficulty uh, maintaining eye contact or in social settings um, or even very timid towards authority figures. Um, and so those types of things which naturally, I think, again, as a teacher, you feel something's not right. I think that is giving you a clue that you want to look into a bit more of uh, what is the family background right now and, you know, when appropriate to just, you know, have some casual conversation to see, you know, are you doing okay? You know, um, you know, when, you know, when was your last meal even, things like that. So those types of physical, uh, social, and um, emotional signs can let us know that something's not right. And so I think it is important to probe into that a little bit more. But in terms of getting help uh, contacting someone, uh, no, I, I definitely don't think that it's going to endanger them. If anything, it might save them from a very dangerous situation. So would you just, in that case, would you just call the police and express the concern of this possibility, what would be, of course, almost all of our listeners would be in the U.S. Our terrestrial radio stations are all in the U.S. So what would be the best person to call? Yeah, I think both, um, you, if you do know, have a contact uh, with the police, obviously that could be a place to start. 
but also there's the um, you know National Human Trafficking Hotline that would be a great place at 24/7, and you could just report tips or concerns that you have. Um, you could find it online, but also it's just 888-3737-888. It's 888-3737-888. So that's the National Human Trafficking Hotline, and that would be a great uh, step to talk to somebody who's more knowledgeable, and that could also give you guidance in terms of uh, suspicious activity or people that you're concerned about. Yeah, yeah, super helpful, super helpful. Again, stay in the line, Darlene, because uh, we're going to jump on and give you a copy of the of the book. Let's go to Debbie in Chattanooga. Debbie, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Good morning, Doctor. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my question is: Does the government of Korea what is their stance on this, and what action are they taking? Is there a difference between what the national government says and what the local government say? Super question, Debbie. Remember to stay on the line, and we're going to give you a copy um, of the book because it's got a light and darkness, the church's role in ending human trafficking. Can I just tell you, Eddie, you can tell that our viewers are just amazing. So our viewers, our listeners are amazing. Our callers are amazing. So so great, great question from Debbie. Talk to us a little about the South Korean government's response. Yeah, that is a great question. That's been one of the challenges that I've had over these years. And by God's grace, he's given us a lot of wisdom, insight, and favor to navigate this dilemma. Um, you know, uh, South Korea, like a lot of Asian cultures, are a very shame-honor-based culture, and this issue in particular is a very shameful thing, and you don't talk about dirty laundry, you know, these things, and so much so that, I mean, even one pastor, after I gave a talk on this, he came up to me and said, why do you hate our country so much? I was like, what in the world? I don't hate this country. I love it even more now. And for him, it was like, if you bring out our dirty laundry for the international world to see, then it must mean that you don't really care for us. And so the government, um, unfortunately, as I've been interacting with them, uh, they really do uh, turn a blind eye to this. Um, there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of cultural values that make it difficult for them to see them as true victims. And so it's been one area that we've been really engaged in. And so we worked with the U.S. Embassy. We work with people in our church that work with there too. And we are able to bring about some law changes and changes for the better as well. Love that. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. 877-548-3675. Your chance to jump into the conversation with ABN about a light and darkness. Eddie Young's our guest. We're talking about his new book, A Light in Darkness, The Church's Role in Ending Human Trafficking. And we've jumped into some questions, and we're going to continue with those uh, as well. We're going to go to Be Peggy. Peggy is live down there in Florida. Peggy, you're live on the air with your question or comment. Go right ahead. Oh, just a comment on the teacher that had called. We, by law, and it's a federal law, that we, by law, are mandated to report, whether we have a feeling or not. We still are uh, required to um um, report what we feel, even though it's just a feeling. If you have a However, question or a I concern, right, okay, yeah. Right. However, as as a person, and I, and I, I, I was feeling what the other teacher was dating, you know, so as a person, what I do, and I'm not saying everybody else is as nuts as I am, but what I do when I get those feelings, not only do I pray, but I go around, you know, nearby, you know, the person's home, just, you know, different hours of the time, you know, just to pass by, just, you know, 
it's more for me to make sure that I'm not, you know, you know putting in a, a report for someone because it is a little taunting and it's also, you know, uh, embarrassing for people and it may not come, you know, it, it may be wrong, you know, so I don't want to have to bring that to the family either. But, you know, that's why I go that extra step before I do that, you know, reporting. Just a comment. All right, well, hey, thanks, Peggy. For, thanks, Peggy, for the call as well. If you hold down the line, we're going to give you a copy of A Light in Darkness, the church's role in ending human trafficking. In general, uh, the best case situation is to report and allow the uh, authorities to do some investigating. Uh, and, and you know, typically, I, I should say that my, my family, my, my, my brother and my uh, sister-in-law, my sister-in-law does this, and I've had her write a few things for my blog and articles as well about how they, uh, that just to be perfectly honest, churches and other organizations tend not to be as well prepared to do the investigation. So to contact in the United States, we have, we have a, a system that, that, uh, that reaches out and engages in these questions as well. So, so thank you for your call, Peggy. Uh, let's go, Eddie, let me ask you just a couple of questions. All right. So now the, the subtitle of the book, the full title is a light and darkness, the church's role in ending human trafficking. Well, Eddie, you know, the church has got, I mean, we can barely keep up with, with getting the worship team planned and getting the childcare <laughs> ministry set up for Sunday. And so we got to have a role in this. And if so, what is the role in this? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, um, I, I do believe that in the world of justice, we all have a role. We don't have the same role. And I, I think for uh, this too, I, I think God will put uh, on their hearts, certain people to begin engaging specifically in the world of trafficking. And uh, so I do want to acknowledge that. And for those who do feel uh, compelled to do something about this, I think if you were to um, generalize three spheres of involvement, you could look at it as uh, you know prevention, intervention, or restoration. And I think each part, the church has an important role to play on all levels, uh, especially for the prevention, I, I think praying is important, you know, for all those who, who are involved, the victims, aftercare, pimps, traffickers, uh, even prayer walks in areas that are, you know, suspicious or known to be involved in this arena. Uh, we've done some spiritual mapping in the cities that we've lived in that we knew had involvement in this arena. Um, also, fasting is an important part to play as a biblical part in the um, pursuit of justice, as we see in Isaiah 58 too. Um, and uh, whether it's teaching on this or even volunteering for uh, those in this audience that really have a desire to tangibly serve, volunteering at restoration centers too, uh, that, that goes a long way. Um, but also um, for those who wanna be more involved in the intervention side of things, uh, there are some great organizations that they can partner with as well. Uh, some friends, uh, I was able to uh, be involved with the start of a number of aftercare centers, uh, both in Korea as well as the Philippines, and they're doing tremendous work. If you ever would love to, you know, send a short-term team out there or personally volunteer out there, um, there's some great things as well. But even some things on a practical level in terms of prevention too, um, you know, orphan care or foster care, that is a very preventative means for this industry. Having a strong men's ministry and outreach, you know, porn is, uh, there is a tie in terms of even the supply and demand and the creation of the demand through that realm. Um, strong family ministry, a lot of these victims come from broken families. So that's an important outreach for prevention. 
um, screenings of films, whether it's Sound of Freedom or my film Save My Soul. Um, and for those who do have um, their own businesses and have the capacity to speak into this, even vocational training for survivors uh, beyond what is typically just nails or hair, which is fine, but not everybody wants to do nails and hair. Um, those are the types of things that I, I think there are different levels of engagement and involvement that we can be involved in. And I really believe that Christians being involved in each realm uh, is significant in terms of um, sharing the love of Christ, but also uh, you know, sharing the gospel of Christ in those areas too. You know, Eddie, uh, my, we, we lived in Wheaton. I just moved from Wheaton about, I don't know, five or six months ago. And there we, my wife was a volunteer at some, at something called Naomi's house. When I was the interim pastor at the Moody church, uh, Naomi's house was a ministry of the Moody church. It's in kind of a, uh, not disclosed location in Chicago land. Matter of fact, I just saw the director, um, just, uh, last week she's doing her doctorate at Wheaton. So it was good to Good to see their good work. So, but one of the things that is just the facts is that it is hard, long, difficult work to work in aftercare with some of these women who are coming out of exploitive situations. Um, it's, you know, often three steps forward, two steps back, sometimes two steps forward, three steps back. Um, so, I mean, this is something that's not just something that it's like, and this is the challenge with sometimes some of the movies where it's like everything's done and everyone's happy and everyone's kind of moved on. Um, it's not, I mean, these are, there are scars, there's journey, there's counseling and more. Tell us a little bit about what that journey is like for people. Oh, let me, yeah, I'm sorry you know, do, let me just interrupt for a second. Hold on one second. I, I haven't given the number in a while and they're going to yell at me if I don't give the number, the number to call. Cause I know people will have questions. It's eight, seven, seven, five, four, eight, three, six, seven, five. Again, that's eight, seven, seven, five, four, eight, three, six, seven, five. So talk to us a little bit about that aftercare. Sorry for interrupting. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You know, it is a very long journey and you're right. I think when people will first hear about it or watch a film like um, Sound of Freedom, uh, they have such enthusiasm, energy to want to get involved. They think they can change the world instantly, but this is a marathon. Uh, this is a very long journey that they're on. And so, especially in the world of aftercare, what we have found uh, a great way that the church can really be a blessing is to really serve them. Uh, for example, like we have gone to these, uh, our aftercare partners and simply cleaned their office and that's it. You know, we just wanted to show them that we appreciate them. And actually each Thanksgiving, we would host a, a beautiful Thanksgiving banquet, you know, great decorations, amazing food. And we simply wanted to honor these aftercare workers just to express appreciation because their work schedule really is 24 seven. Uh, just like ER doctors, you know, the moment you get a call, you got to go in and that that's their life as well. But it's so underappreciated. And so when we as a church started to simply bless them and express appreciation for the work that they are doing, so many of them, uh, they were, uh, I mean, a lot of times were in tears, but they expressed so often, no one has ever expressed appreciation for our work before. Um, and so that is a tangible way that the church can be a blessing that's going to go a long way into their lives. And so, uh, yeah, even with Thanksgiving coming up, if you guys do volunteer or know of after centers, think of ways to express your Thanksgiving for the work that they are doing. And I guarantee that it really will be very meaningful and strengthening for them. Yeah, so good. So I was just in Bulgaria uh, a little over a year ago and 
uh, work, ministering to the workers who minister to women who are coming out of human trafficking. And so, uh, and, and their gratitude was just as you described. It was, it was, again, it's often, it's a, it's a long-term challenging process. Uh, and you know, it, it's, it's often can be thankless because it's sort of, you know, in this case, I was mentioning Naomi's house and, and so, so thankful for the good work that they do. Uh, Naomi's house is, is sort of in a kind of a hidden location as well. So it's not like, People can't drop by, and and you know, it's part of the thing is is for security reasons, you gotta you gotta have um, you gotta have some distance from just general open public as well. Okay, listen, we've got one segment left, and we want to invite our callers to join in with us again. We're talking to Eddie Bjorn. His book is A Light in Darkness: The Church's Role in Ending Human Trafficking. The phone number, and that's all linked by the way at edstetzerlive.com. And but eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five is our number you got a few questions, this is the time to ask him, even a comment. Again, 877-548-3675. We're going to continue our conversation. One final segment with Eddie in just a moment. Hey, we're back. We're going to jump right into our calls, really, right now. We're going to first go to Donna in Akron, Ohio. You're live on the air. Go right ahead. Yes, my question is, I've heard that the United States is the, graf- the, the greatest sex trafficking related to our open borders, and I'm not sure, is that true? And secondly, do the churches here in our country recognize that? Good and question, do- Donna. Thank you. Ed- Eddie, oh, I'm sorry, I cut you off, Donna, but hold on the line. We're going to give you a copy uh, of his book, but jump right in, Eddie. I mean, I've heard that the borders is often a place where a lot of human trafficking takes place. Talk to us about that. Yeah, uh, anywhere with borders, you're going to have a lot of inner um, international trafficking happening. It is a big issue in the United States, and I think a lot of people are surprised by that. Um, there was actually a study done just a couple of years ago by Polaris Project. I believe you could still find their study on their website. And they actually did um, a study across all the massage parlors in the U.S., and they found that majority um, to be involved in some level of trafficking and so that was really disturbing uh because yeah we see massage parlors um you know everywhere we go in every small suburbs even and so it it is a big issue and even recently uh there were um trafficking cases that came up in these major cities for example like dallas where a uh, a girl was trafficked actually going to uh, i believe it was a dallas mavericks game and so it's not just in Asia, though it is prevalent in Asia and in Europe, uh, around the world. Unfortunately, pretty much every country now has uh, cases of trafficking happening. So again, it's growing, it's big, and that's why we want to put this on the radar for people to pray, to engage, so that we could start seeing that number decline. Because if we ignore it, I know people don't like thinking about it, they don't like uh, talking about it, but if we ignore it, it's definitely not going to be going away. Yes, you mentioned the um, uh, the United States being the the largest, and I, I don't know that that's the case. Um, I, I don't know one way or the other. I'm assuming that it's not, but but tell me wh- where does that fit into it? It's certainly a great issue here, but people around the world sometimes where human trafficking is just allowed. So tell me about that. Yeah, I also don't. I've never heard the U.S. being the largest, yeah. um, but yeah, it yeah, definitely okay. is prevalence. And a huge issue. Um, a huge issue. Don't hear uh, when, when we say it's not necessarily the largest doesn't mean it's not a huge issue. Correct. Yeah. And yeah. so I think we have to see it in that lens that because it's it's difficult to point pin down the exact numbers, 
in the countries, uh, but it definitely is very prevalent um, across the world right now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Pam has a good reminder. Pam, you're, uh, oops, let me click this button again. Pam, you're live on the air with your comment. Go right ahead. Yes. Um, no, I've heard that uh, the United States is a big trafficker, and I live in Florida, and that's one of the biggest states for sexual abuse, uh, so to speak, uh, older men and, and whatever. But I was looking yeah. on Facebook to, uh, to answer a question somebody put on there to me. And I saw something on there that was so interesting. I sent it out to everybody I knew. Um, there was a young lady in a car. She had seatbelt on. There was a man driving her. He had no tags. He had no hubcaps on the car. It was very generic. So this girl and other guy in another car just happened to go up beside her, and she made a sign that stands for help me or help, help me. And she, and the young lady in the other car said, that's a sign for help. That's a sign for help. She needs to be helped. She needs to be helped. Mm -hmm. So they backed up. They followed the car. They called 911, but they couldn't really do anything, and there was no tag on the car. They followed this car from behind, and the guy got off at an exit, and they followed the car to an, uh, a convenience store. The guy parked the car and got out to go into the store. They went over to the car, looked at the girl, pulled her out, extracted her, and took off. Mm -hmm. Oh, good, good, Just good. Just because good. of that help yeah. sign that she because put Because she used a hand signal. And there is actually, and like, there is a, yeah, there's a hand signal. Pam, thank you so much for your call. Hold on the line, too. We want to give you a copy of the book. Again, it's A Light and Darkness, The Church's Role in Ending Human Trafficking. But there, there's a hand signal that people are talking about where you hold your open palm, tuck your thumb against it, and then close your fingers over your thumb. That's often used um, for domestic abuse, but also for issues of trafficking um, as, as well. Eddie, what are some other, again, you've talked about this earlier, what are some other signs? And we're running low on time, so just kind of, because right now people are like, well, how do I spot somebody who might be trafficked? Give us, again, a reminder of what that is, and then we'll try to squeeze in a couple more calls. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think it will be, um, you know, the hunches that you do get when you see someone who is physically uh, not well, um, again, um, even socially, uh, they find it difficult. They're kind of looking around and they find it difficult to have eye contact. There's usually uh, a depth of timidity and fear um, that are associated with that because they don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to do something that is going to lead to uh, abuse once they're in you know, closed quarters again. And so those types of things, I, I think, are important to be aware of. And uh, as you mentioned too, yeah, that the or the American Sign Language for help to um, those types of things. But ultimately, I, I think um, if you do have a sense in your gut that something doesn't seem right, I would encourage you to act on that. That's good. That's good. Okay, we're going to take a call from uh, Edward in South Florida, and I just I can't resist pointing out that this means that we're going to have a conversation with Ed, Ed, and Eddie. And those of you who watch cartoons know that that's kind of a thing. Edward, you're live on the air from South Florida. What's your question or your comment? Edward, are you there? Oh, well, at least I got to make the Ed, Ed, and Edward joke, but we, didn't, we, don't, well, we don't seem to have there as well. Denise in Campton, New Hampshire. Denise, I'm just going to ask your question if that's okay. Um, so uh, she's, she's asking some about the, you mentioned about candy and uh, human trafficking, and, and I just kind of Googled in, and there is some sense that there's a, 
Um, there is a sometimes a connection between the two. There have been cases brought and more. So talk to us a little bit about how, like, this is not related to sexual trafficking, but how what how human trafficking relates to this as well. Yeah, you know, there are a lot of, um, yeah, I mean, all the, pretty much the major um, chocolate industry players, the companies, they, they do, as I mentioned, use uh, slave labor, and it's mainly children to pick the cocoa beans in different parts of Africa, especially Ghana. Um, and I think that part of the world, I believe, you know, they make 60 or 70% of the world's cocoa that turns into chocolate. And um, there's actually a great film, um, Slavery in the Chocolate Industry, that you could look at. And that's going to be uh, both eye-opening and very uh, convicting. And I think that will deter- that will influence what chocolates people buy uh, this coming Halloween, too, uh, for the for the Yeah, weather. and there's all kinds of – if you Google online, you can actually find a lot of these uh, these stories. There's, a, there's stories in major publications about this as well. Listen, we got about one minute left, so we're going to try Edward in South Florida one more time. But, Edward, you got to jump right in. Go right ahead. Yeah, so I go to a church called Hope United, and uh, after watching that movie, uh, they've asked me to start investigating, see if there's a place – that we can get involved in to help children in this situation in South Florida. Good, good, good. Okay, and his question was, how can we get involved? Let me say first, we're going to send you, Edward, a copy uh, of the book. The book is A Light and Darkness, The Church's Role in Ending Human Trafficking. Eddie, help us. We've got about a minute or so left, maybe a little more. Tell us how his church and other churches can get involved in ministries to engage and end human trafficking. Yeah, actually, with that short time, I would encourage you to actually read um, the uh, chapter eight of my book. I give about 50, 60 different things that churches and believers can take practically next steps if they do want to get involved in this. So that would be a good place I would recommend. Okay, but I still got 60 seconds, so give me one, two, or three of them. Yeah, uh, to start, you know, a prayer team about it, you could start people to do, um, uh, start engaging in terms of you know, serving and partnering to in aftercare. Um, there's also, you know, things in terms of what you can get involved, whether it's like short-term or long-term missions involvement, uh, that would be more hands-on as well. Excellent, excellent. Our guest today has been Eddie Bion. Eddie is, uh, he, he actually serves with me at the Talbot School of Theology. He runs our Doctor of Ministry program, teaches in uh, these areas as well. So thank you, Eddie, for joining us today. Thank you for our great callers with great insights and questions. And thanks to behind the scenes team here at Moody Radio. Um, we, we normally have uh, Karen Hendren as our producer. She's out, so Gabby's been filling in today along with Bob. Uh, our engineer is Courtney Young. Josie's been working the phones. Uh, tune in next week. I'm going to talk to Dennis. Alexander and Alistair McGrath about the perceptions atheists have of Christianity. It's going to be a fascinating show. Maybe not as fascinating as this one, but up there. And really the circumstances that can lead atheists to hear and respond to the good news of the gospel. Uh, To hear today's program again, you can go to edstetzerlive.com. By the way, that's where you can find all these things that I've mentioned as well. For example, you want to get a copy of A Light in Darkness, The Church's Role, in ending human trafficking, you can click at the link and go over and order one there as well. Of course, we've given away a few copies also. You can connect with us on social media through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Ed Stetzer Live. And as always, we're thankful for the calls. The calls really make the show uh, what it is today. So as always, we've had some great calls with some great questions and some great comments. And I love the concern that people have to engage in these ministries, particularly Edward, your last call from South Florida. Thank you so much for saying, how can I get involved? Remember, we'll see you next Saturday at this time.